You are listening to the Concrete Nervous Podcast. This is episode 41. Welcome to the Concrete Everest Podcast. My name is Brian Talore. I am the founder of Everest Life Coaching, where I've made it my mission to help people reclaim their identities, rediscover their purpose, and live life with conviction and courage. And I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. This episode, uh, it's going to be another good one. What can I say? I know I'm biased. I'm the host of the show. But I really I really do think this, this, this show is an interesting show. And I'm going to tell you why. I have a conversation with Derek Pivko. Now, Derek's not a coach. He doesn't have a book. He doesn't have a course yet. He's just a regular guy that found inspiration in the, what I think most of us would say, the most unlikely of places. But the inspiration that he found did give him the courage and the passion to go after what he truly wanted. And, you know, it was just a good conversation. Derek's a good guy. And uh, I think you're going to enjoy this episode. So here we go. This is Derek's story. Derek, welcome to the Concrete Nevers podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Brian? I'm good. And and you know what? Usually I'm I'm pretty good about making sure I know how to pronounce the last names right. Uh I, I didn't do that this time, but Derek Pivko, am I saying that right? I'm actually very impressed. I think you're one of the few people my coworkers can't even pronounce my last name. So <laughs> however you did my research on me, congratulations. You're one of the few people I can do it. So you got bonus points on me already. Hey. All right. Hey, you know, that's uh, I'm a guy that's had my last name pronounced a bunch of different ways um, and my first name as well. Um, not related to our story here that we're going to get into today, but you know, Brian is a, it's a terrible name for birthday cakes because it always comes back brain. But anyways, Derek, uh, why don't we take a moment and just uh, let you introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, if you would. Who am I? That's a uh, typical conversation starter, but it is the icebreaker. The way I describe myself, I am an interdisciplinary. It's basically a multitude of a different uh, observations in my life. I have a various backgrounds, including with my education, as well as my past and current employment. I've been uh, very fortunate to meet some great people in my life and some unsuspected inspiration as well, which I'll be digging into in today's podcast as well. Yeah. And we talked about this. I, I, what I like about your story is, is it's not, um, it's not the typical story that, that we hear or we've heard on this podcast. Uh, usually there's some sort of, um, you know, trauma that's occurred in the past. And, 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 but for you, it was as an adult, you, you, like you said, it was this unexpected inspiration from a person that maybe most people listening or watching wouldn't even think of as being an inspiration to anyone. So let's get into that a little bit. You can just go ahead and start the story and tell it tell it how you will. Okay. Uh, this is a uh, story I haven't really uh, spoken out loud. I've given, I have been given permission to talk about it as well. It's a, a sensitive topic, so it may not be for everybody, but for me, this story of an individual has changed my life, and it's also gave me the inspiration to go back to school for the third time. I believe the term is third time is a charm. Unfortunately, I'm going for the fourth term when I graduate in February. But 
When I was in my late 20s, I was working as a corrections officer here in the county jail in Sussex County. If you go on Google, you type in Sussex County, New Jersey, the answer you're going to find out is why. Nothing ever happens in my town or my county as well. However, back in 2015, a lot of things were going on. And uh, prior to going into uh, corrections, when I got hired off civil service, we had a lot of uh, stories that never happened in our area going on at once. One of the biggest stories that ever happened in our county involved a murder of a former corrections lieutenant. His name was Dennis Pegg. Uh, what happened was that this was also during the time, a little after the uh, Penn State Jerry Sandusky trial. I'm sure you know about what happened over that. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have a, a term called a repressed memory. And uh, one one person who uh, had a, a child childhood similar to what went on with the other kids at Penn State with uh, Jerry Sandusky was a gentleman named Clark Fredericks, who at the age of eight experienced outcomes that a child, adult, or no one should ever experience. Um, this guy happened, his former neighbor, Dennis Pegg, was a Boy Scout leader at the time, and he had access to anybody. He was well-liked in the community. He actually brought home uh, former corrections uh, inmates to mentor them. He's trying to be the good guy, but lo and behold, there was a Satan behind him. And lo and behold, uh, back as I go back, and I'm getting a little bit off topic, but however, Clark had a open heart surgery when he was eight, eight years old. Back then, granted, I don't have open heart surgery, but the scars were a lot bigger from his age. Clark is probably about 20 years older than me, so as science has applied, things have changed. The scar is a little bit smaller now. However, uh, Dennis uh, took that as an advantage and said, hey, I'll give you a quarter if, I, if I'm if i able to uh, touch the uh, scar. And unfortunately, uh, the quarter happened and other things happened to Clark as well. And there was rumors about what was going on. And his father, uh, Clark's father, said, hey, has this happened to you at all? And Clark embarrassedly and ashamedly said, no. And unfortunately, that term no turned into a lot of guilt. And when the Jerry Sandusky trial happened, this is when Clark's life started to really fall apart because he blocked out a lot of these terms in his life. And it just when he saw this thing coming on national news with Sandusky with the trial going on, it broke his heart and he had his breaking point. Clark had a great job. He was he I believe he graduated from uh, Northeastern up in uh, Boston wonderful college. I could not get into that college and my life depended on it. But, <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, his past went back to haunt him as well. Clark started drinking at an early age. School is easy for him. But um, unfortunately, as I said earlier, Clark's, Clark's past came to haunt him when the trials started going on. Lo and behold, he started experimenting with drugs. Drinking was his introduction. Then Unfortunately, uh, alcohol wasn't enough for him, so he ended up doing cocaine, and unfortunately, he ended up going to heroin. When he spoke to one of his friends, he explained everything that happened to him, and his friend recommended, you got to take care of this. So lo and behold, on a night in uh, June of 2012, they drove to uh, Peg's house, and the screen door was uh, unlocked, and Clark walked into the guy's house and said, you remember me? And a Let's just say in the front, nicest way, a struggle occurred and uh, Pig was killed that night. Dennis Pig was murdered that night. And Clark was arrested the next day. Uh, Clark was planning on suicide by cop. He, he realized that his life was practically over after that. 
And when he was arrested, sorry, this is actually a really difficult topic. I wasn't planning on being emotional about it, but um, take your time. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, state troopers, his name's Howie. Unfortunately, can't remember his first, his last name, but he he realized that this wasn't your normal case that he was dealing with. As I said before, nothing ever happens in our county. And he saw Clark not as someone getting arrested, but he knew something was wrong. So he went in, he says, hey, Clark, he, he never met the guy prior to this, says, you did not talk to anybody. And lo and behold, throughout the time, they realized that uh, Clark was actually was the innocent individual over this time. And Clark actually said in our jail, usually when you're in a, a jail, you're not there for a long time. It's usually under a year or you're waiting trial. Clark, I believe, was in our jail for about four years because this trial was a long drawn out there's a lot of evidence coming out and with it with the murder going on here we it was just something that we our county wasn't used to having and during his time clark was actually a model inmate i was only at the jail for under a year i didn't stay long but uh clark i would always see him talking to inmates regardless of age background he was there mentoring people he hated seeing people coming back unfortunately at, at this time you see the same people coming in and out last year i remember one day uh, somebody was being released and he refused to leave because he had nowhere to go. He was homeless and he had everything he needed at the jail. So he, it's, it, it breaks my heart actually thinking about that. Cause I can picture, I, I remember that day, like it was yesterday. Granted that was back in 2016, but, um, and we, let's, let's clarify real quick too. Um, cause you had mentioned, uh, you, you were at the jail, but you were there as a correctional officer, not, yeah. not an inmate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, one day uh, Clark came up to me. I actually, no, actually I came up to him. We were talking a little bit and Clark came up to me, says, Pifco, once again, you're one of the few people that can pronounce my last name for some reason. But um, he came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing here? And I kind of gave him my Eli Manning look, my lost and confused look for those who follow New York Giants football. He's since retired, but um, I wasn't prepared for that statement. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, you're too nice of a guy to be here. What are you doing here with these clowns? And lo and behold, I was actually questioning myself as that. And I was scared to give him the right answer because I wasn't sure if he was playing my games with me. Like I knew him. I, I thought he was very well respected inmate. I talked to him here and there, but something about that, it started to change my mind as well. I said, Hey, this guy knows that I don't belong here, that he sees something better than what I was doing. And at the same time, I was kind of questioning my decision-making at that point. It's kind of weird. Uh, when I was in college, I always wanted to get into uh, law enforcement. But when I was in corrections, I was like, I'm here and this is not what I want to do. Yeah. And I kind of felt bad that uh, all that all my years of uh, taking criminology classes and all those classes, I'm like, wow, I just wasted my uh, tuition on that. And I'm still paying off for that. And here I am. But uh, lo and behold, to uh, wrap up on Clark, he had a life sentence. But uh, lo and behold, his uh, case dropped to a manslaughter. He ended up serving uh, five years. He spent the last nine months in Northern State Prison, which is in Newark, maybe about an hour away from where I currently am. And ever since then, he got out. He became an inspiration, motivational speaker. He's been on uh, date uh, talk shows. He's been on a bunch of television shows, documentaries. Unfortunately, we had this thing last year called COVID. So a lot of his speaking engagements got canceled or postponed, and they're starting to become rescheduled as well. Clark works about 10 minutes from where I am right now. 
And I could to see him. I talked to him on Facebook every once in a while too. Uh, when I started school last year, I talked to him back and forth all the time. But now since I, all my classes are going to be any busier, but the thing about friendship is you can talk to somebody every day or you can talk to them once a week. You can talk to them once a month. However, an ideal friendship is you may not hear from them for a while, but the moment you talk to them, it feels like you just saw them. Yeah, so yeah. when uh, Clark became released, he started speaking. At a, he spoke at a centenary university over in Hagestown. That was his first uh, speaking engagement. I made sure to go up to him and, and say, hey, I'm here for you. Thank you for your time. And actually, when I think about it, I worked at a medical facility and he came in and I kind of gave it was like it was like a triple look like, wait, is that Clark? Wait, is that is that Pifco? Is that Clark? Is that Pifco? And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me when it's like, Derek, I know exactly who you are. And I that, that just caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting that. He's he's been through so much. Why is he going to remember a quiet correction officer who did not belong in that atmosphere? But lo and behold, a, a friendship has since developed. And without him. I would not be where I am right now. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a great story because, you know, I think there's, there's, there's obviously stereotypes and, and, and thoughts of people and, and you go to jail, you, you go to prison, it, you're a bad person, you're a bad guy, a bad woman, whatever the case may be. And that's, that's not, and that's not always, always the, 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 the circumstances, you know, some, Bad decisions. Obviously, uh, you know Clark made a bad decision um, in, in in committing murder, but you know he had he was damaged. You know, it, 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 and you see this a lot of times where it could manifest in a lot of different ways, not just violence, but you know it, sometimes people just shut down. I mean, it, Clark could have very easily went into uh, hibernation for the rest of his life and not speaking. So, but I want to talk about you a little bit in, in the role. So, you know, you were a correctional, uh, correctional officer. Um, and, and it sounds like, the, I mean, the feeling I get through your story and the conversations that we we've had before this, this today's interview, um, that you could, did you feel like a fish out of water? Like you, you were starting to realize this wasn't what you wanted. You went to school for, it, but it, it you know, were at that point in time before you met Clark, were you contemplating a change? I mean, or, you know, I know for me, there's been times in my early twenties and thirties where, you know, I, I was in this job and it was the ideal job, right? It was going to pay the bills and I could raise a family and so forth and so on. But I wasn't, I wasn't being fulfilled. Like it wasn't my passion. But there was this fear. There was this fear that I, you know, I can't leave this. This is a great opportunity. If I leave this, um, so what was going through your mind a little bit, be, you know, before that that chance meeting and, and conversation with them? Yeah, my mind is that. Well, for starters, I I also have a, a degree in journalism. I have associate's degree in journalism and a bachelor's in communications. So when I met the inmates, I was putting the story together. Uh, coming from where I live, I get the newspaper. I knew most of these individuals before I even got started. Being being in journalism, what do we do? We do our research. We do our background. So when I walked in, I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so. That's this person as well. So I knew who they were before they even knew who I was. So my perspective in, on corrections is a little bit different because I, I know the story. I know the background. However, at the end of the day, I don't know the individual until I, until I talk to them. You can do all the research in the world but until you talk to the individual and say, hey, this is why they did this. 
every story is different. Everyone has a different story. And, and I, I am 100% glad I went into corrections. I met some good people from uh, my coworkers and there were a lot of good inmates as well. The only thing is they made a mistake in their life and they, they paid for what they did. We've all made mistakes in our past. We've done stuff to our bodies or we might've done something else that we should get arrested for. But lo and behold, we didn't get, we didn't get caught. Yeah. And then after you had your conversation, was it, was it kind of a chance meeting with Clark or, I mean, had you guys been friendly and conversational before, or, or was this just kind of like unexpected out of the blue uh, that he came up and asked you like, what are you doing here? This isn't, this isn't a role for you. Clark was different. Yeah. He was not like your other inmates. We have some people that would come and come and go all the time. Clark was, is a big guy. He's a, uh, and he's probably when he watches, he's probably saying, "No, I'm not. I'm not six foot three, or however tall he is. He's, as I said before, I'm I'm not even six foot. I wish I was, but he stood out. He's a big guy, and, and you just tell that he didn't he didn't belong in this area. He made a mistake in his life, and he paid for it. But and he always says, "Do not follow what I did." But what Clark did was he changed my life, and the reason why actually. Um, as I said before, I'm back in school for cybersecurity and probably inquisitive as to why this, how this MA said, hey, he didn't say going to cybersecurity because that's not what happened. Right. Uh, <laughs> he actually uh, spoke at his high school, Kittatinny High School over in, uh, I believe it's Freedon, some little town here in Sussex County. And I knew his story. However, when he spoke about it, there was a difference between reading and seeing emotion, someone sharing their story, saying, hey, this is what happened to me. Way, this is what happened uh, back in 2020 BC before COVID. Uh, he <laughs> spoke right in February, right before America started shutting down. And I was at the point where I make yearly goals. I do daily, monthly, yearly goals. My plan was, hey, my degree in communications is not working out. It's not paying the bills for what I where I see myself in life. I was starting to reevaluate myself. He said, hey, you got to move forward. Whatever you're doing, you got to start changing. And Lo and behold, I went to uh, Clark's uh, presentation. I've been to one, but the second one really clicked with me. And what happened was we're going back to uh, Dennis Pegg the night that uh, Pegg was murdered. The next day, the state police went over to uh, Pegg's house and they found his computer. And lo and behold, they found some horrible images of children. And the way that Clark spoke about it says, hey, these uh, state, state troopers broke into the guy's computer and they found these horrible images, digital evidence. And the way he said that, all of a sudden, the light bulb clicked on in my head for the first time that day. He said, hey, there's something about that. I think I could do that. Yeah. And my mind just like throughout the end of the presentation, like I listened to the entire story. But at the end of the day, it's like Clark just uh, might have changed my life just now. And I remember that night I thought, thought about it. And then it's like, should I message him now or – so I mentioned him the next day. Said, "Hey, Clark, your uh, presentation—it's uh, my second time doing this, and th your presentation completely changed my mind. I've been reevaluating my life, and I think you kind of taught me what I want to do. I want to go back to school for cybersecurity. And I wish I saw Clark's face because we were talking on Facebook on, on chat, but I can only imagine what his reaction was. He wrote back, "That really wasn't my objective." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> Ever since then, I, I, I spoke to, I went to, where was I? Where did I graduate from? 
Thomas, Thomas Edison State uh, University was where I first got my first bachelor's degree. So I reapplied there, figured it was the easiest thing, uh, basically because I knew the background system. I knew how, what, what they're looking for. So I started speaking to an enrollment counselor. And let's just say I was there for one semester. It didn't work out. I was, wasn't was impressed with the university. They wanted me to take intro to algebra. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not taking classes that I took when I was 19 back in the yeah well, long ago, but um, <laughs> algebra is not that big in cybersecurity anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not ta- I don't want to take a sociology class. I don't want to be taking these classes that a 19 year old should be taking. Right. So I ended up transferring to another school and I was starting to question like, Hey, you might be making another mistake. Uh, you're, you're leaving a college. Is that going to get, is that a label saying, hey, this guy's a jumper? This guy's going to say, as soon as he finds a weakness, he's going somewhere else. So mm. that, that kind of hurt me. But I spoke to a enrollment coordinator. Her name's Tiffany Jones. I, I, I am awful with names. However, if I remember somebody, it's for a reason. And one, I, I, there's so many great people named Tiffany in my life. So maybe it's just, hey, there's not many, but all, them, all the Tiffany's that are in my life are just some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. And I spoke to Tiffany that, that day and I said, hey, nothing, nothing. This is why I'm leaving. This is why I'm looking at your school as well. I was looking at another college and the way she spoke about the program says, nothing, nothing. But I'm not saying this because I want you to get into this program because looking at your grades, you're not going to have an issue getting in. But I know your story. I know why you're doing this. You're doing it for the right thing. You can go to another college. However, I think this is the right fit for you. Not a lot of people say that. Yeah. And I... I ghosted the other university. I couldn't even, I don't even know what the other school was looking at. I think it was like George Mason university, great school and all, but um, I was sold on what, what Colorado state was looking at. And lo and behold, it's probably the best decision I made in the past decade without question. You said something um, in, in your, in your bio uh, when the, the, that I, that I received in, and I like this, this sentence I was looking for it and I found it here it says one sentence can completely, uh, can completely change someone's opinion and influence them to make changes. And, and I think that's, I mean, that's an excellent quote because it's so true. And you don't know who is going to say what that, that changes your perception, changes your mind. Uh, but for you, it was Clark. And I don't know if we ever said Clark's last name. What, what is Clark's full name? Clark's, Clark's full name is Clark Fredericks. Fred, Fredericks. Okay. So people and people could probably find him on, on YouTube and, and social media. But, uh, and then there was another part where you, you had, you were in your thirties um, or you're in your thirties and you're making this decision and, and, you know, that could take a lot of that takes a lot of courage as well because I think the expectation of us in society, at least Western society, is 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 that by the time you're thirty, you should be in a, in a, in a career in your job. You should you know be raising kids and whatever, and it, and it's getting better, especially with the, with the newer generations that's coming in. But you know that's not the case. You're never too old, or it's never too late in life to make a jump. And and it sounds like you kind of learned that from Clark a little bit, um, as well as your other friend that that you know prompted you to to to, to attend Colorado State. 
So you're you're studying cybersecurity, which uh, I can relate to because I, I work a little bit in cybersecurity as well. Um, what's what's going to be next for you? What's what's your next step once you get out of school? I mean, what are you hoping to do? You sound like my parents right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the dad in me. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I am uh, six classes away from graduation. If I have everything laid out in the back of my my plans, my my target date to graduation would be February thirteenth of two thousand twenty-two. Not that I know the date off the top of my head, but um, <laughs> it's a good question. I'm six classes away, and at the same time, when you're six classes away, you start focusing on your next step. And I wish I had the next step, but I think I, I think I found it recently too. Now, when you're doing cybersecurity, you learn all different variables, different areas of study. I learned that I am not going to be writing queries on MySQL. That is not what I want to do in my life. If I do, I don't. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's just not not for me. However, uh, recently I finished one of my ethics classes: information technology ethics, ITS four hundred and sixty. I was actually looking at the Microsoft Word document for uh, we spoke, so I actually remember the name of the class. <laughs> but uh, lo and behold, uh, I realized that I have a background in journalism. With that comes a background in technical writing. And mm -hmm. recently, I, I attended a virtual FBI panel discussion through the University of Albany Law School. And I found that out on LinkedIn. One of my friends sent me this message to say, hey, I think this would be perfect for you. Lo and behold, my friend Jamie was correct. And I attended the, uh, the panel discussion. I was in it with my cybersecurity professor from uh, that current semester. And we were going back and forth. I said, hey, how come we never went over this? I'm like, well, that's in that so-and-so class. I'm like, Roger that. So, <laughs> but uh, we had a good conversation. And when they were talking about the, uh, the careers in this, lo and behold, obviously, they're going to be advertising University of Albany Law School because, lo and behold, when they do a uh, panel discussion through a university, their objective is to try at least get one or two students to possibly attend the university. At the end of the day, we are dollar signs. Granted, <laughs> University of Albany is watching this discussion. Let's just ignore that last sentence I just said. <laughs> but um, I was really impressed by the way they handled the presentation. And if they can do a presentation like this, I became even more inquisitive saying, what are they going to do with their students as well? Mm -hmm. So I finished up my semester back on the uh, May 30th. And last week, I actually went up to uh, check out their school. I was at the University of Albany Law School. I walked around for about an hour and a half. I answered. I asked a bunch of questions because I was very interested in seeing what their background is. And I want to say, hey, where do you see yourself doing? What are, what are the age gaps of the people in the classes? Or is it people who are just attending grad or who are just getting their bachelor's degree and moving on to the master's, who are the, who are the people in the classroom? So they said basically the average person age span in the class is about 38. So for once in my life, I'm going to be one of the younger people in the classroom. So <laughs> but um, everyone's different. He says, we look at the grades. He, he, I, he asked what my GPA was and it says, you're not going to have a problem getting in. So I'm like, okay. And I'm, I was just blown away by what they have to offer, the, the background of research and the ability that I'm only going to get better through this. They have, I'm not good. I'm not going to be an attorney. What's this? Uh, when you hear law school, everyone says attorney. That's not, that's not what I want to do. They have a degree in cybersecurity policy and procedures, writing the SOPs. And when I was taking my cybersecurity course in my ethics class, we were writing SOPs. And so lo and behold, that's actually what I became interested in. When I, when I took a uh, cybersecurity for the first time, I never thought that I would want to write the SOPs. Well, lo and behold, 
right. you know, right. having a degree in communications and journalism, take what you're good at and well, Hill, this is what I'm good at. So I like the research portion of it. And I, I'm excited for what my future is going to be. Am I going to know everything? No. Am I going to get better at it? Yes. And that's what excites me. Sounds like, you know, you've got, got um, um, the sky's, the sky's really for you. I mean, because you've got the communication, you have journalism, you've got criminal justice, uh, you've got cybersecurity. So I don't know, maybe you take a page from Clark's book, maybe you'll be on a stage one of these days, uh, you know, schooling everybody on the do's and don'ts and uh, see if you can finally get people to stop using the same passwords with every different uh, same emails for all their logins. But who knows? That's cyber cybersecurity. If you're in cybersecurity, you'll understand that. <laughs> but, Absolutely. Well, as, as we get ready to wrap up here, I always like to throw in a final question. And, and, and sometimes I don't remember if I warned you or not. Sometimes I don't warn people, so it kind of hits them. But basically, as, as we close here today, what would be the final words of wisdom um, that you would like to leave for the for, for the listeners? Like, if, if they take anything away from this conversation today, what would, would do you want them to take away? Good question. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to change your life. Some people, the person behind you at the grocery line, lo and behold, might become your best friend one day. Yep. It's a, it's a great question. And you never know who's going to change your life. Lo and behold, when I worked in corrections, when day one was my thing, say, hey, one day a inmate's going to change your life. If I said that, I would have gave you a deer in headlights and said, all right, I'm running, out, I'm running out the door right now. And you can find me whatever it was to break my contract. But um, <laughs> it's interesting where life takes you. I met some great people in my life. And as I said and when I was talking to her earlier, I think the hardest word in the dictionary to define is friendship because every day you're tested to it. Or better, you're challenging it, and lo and behold, you realize who your real friends are. I can call somebody, and just based on their tone of voice, I know how they're doing. I don't have to listen to their words, but if I hear how they're doing, if one of my one of my good friends, if he's talking like this, he's having a great day. I can tell that he may not be having a bad day because he's putting up he's putting up a mask. However, you know, when you when you get to know somebody after a while, you get to know who they are, their bet when they're at the best and when they're at, when they're at their worst. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great words. And, and keeping, keeping, you know, I, I think for us, it, and it's an ever, you know, a never ending battle, I think, for society, but just being open and, and being willing to listen to another person's story, despite their background, despite, despite their mistakes, despite their struggles. And like you said, you end up with a friendship that could change your whole uh course you know your the whole the whole course that you had mapped out for yourself but i would okay. not be in college i would not be returning to college if it wasn't for my conversation with clarkson what are you doing with these what are you doing with these clowns if we yeah. didn't have that conversation who knows i might have man may have never had that friendship with clark afterwards so you never realize how one small conversation leads to a career change and yeah. i owe a good chunk of my past year to clark because he's making me into a better person by basically reinventing my my future yeah that's awesome well derek it's, it's been fun having you on the show i appreciate you coming on sharing the story and uh you know I'll, let's let's stay in touch and down the road once you get a little deeper into your career as a cybersecurity uh 
whatever that turns into, whether it's the, like you said, the technical writer, or, or even if you get into uh, some of the deeper weeds of cybersecurity, let's touch base again and, and we'll catch up and see, see how uh, life's changed for you even, even more. <laughs> Thank you for your time. And there you go. There you have it. My conversation with Derek Pivko. And I just, you know, his story just goes to show that you need to keep yourself open in all situations, in all surroundings. You know, be willing to look for the best in people. Be willing to listen to what they have to say. I mean, you just never know where your next where your next inspiration or motivation is going to come from that's going to that, that could completely alter the course of your life. So Derek, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it. And I'm sure our appreciators, our listeners appreciate it too. Uh, but folks, that's it. That's the end of the show. What can I say? That's it. That's all I got for you. But never fear. There's more episodes to come. So make sure if you haven't already, you follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening. Give it a follow. If you can give it a review. Please do give it a review. Those help. Uh, those help the podcast grow. And um, you know, as always, all the links to social media and uh, everything will be in the description below. Make sure you check it. Oh, and don't forget to share. You got to share this podcast. Let people know that Conquering Everest is out here sharing real stories from real people and providing real hope. Until next time, aim high. Be courageous. And go do amazing things.